You're listening to a special mini-episode of Revolves Around Me, the podcast about two things that think they're the center of the universe, religion and millennials. I'm Brian Benton, and I'm here with Max Barnes. Something we think is important to do with this podcast is highlight the religious diversity of the United States, both as a way to introduce listeners to faiths they might not be familiar with, and to show just how religiously diverse our country is. In our politics episode, we talked to Clint, a 24-year-old who currently lives in Portland but grew up in a small town in Appalachia called Parrotsville, about an hour east of Knoxville, Tennessee. Clint grew up in the independent fundamental Baptist tradition, and although he now identifies as an atheist, he spent a lot of time thinking about his faith, both how it shaped his childhood and in an academic setting. I talked to Clint about the role of his faith growing up, the community he grew up in, and what eventually drew him away from it. We also talked about snake handling and speaking in tongues, although I should point out that Clint's church growing up didn't partake in either of those traditions. So you're just going to say that and not explain what snake handling is? (laughs) I'll explain it when Clint mentions it. Now to the interview. My name is Clint Keller, and uh, I grew up in East Tennessee in a little town called Parrotsville. It's near Knoxville. Uh, And uh, I was a fundamental independent Baptist for most of my life. So could you start by giving an overview of the fundamental independent Baptists, what the history is and what some of the core beliefs are? The biggest difference between fundamental independent Baptists and just the Baptists in general is their affiliation. So the fundamental independent Baptists aren't, as obviously is in the name, they're not affiliated with like the Southern Baptist Convention or any particular brand of Baptists. Uh, they only believe in a literal interpretation of the Bible, which that's also pretty significant um, in everything that they say and believe. How did you see that playing out in your own day-to-day life? What sort of, what sort of impact did that aspect of the sect have on, on you growing up? You know, the, there was pretty strict dress codes, um, certainly like heavy music restrictions, not only to secular music, but also uh, contemporary Christian music uh, was also not allowed it wasn't simply the lyrics but also the kind of music itself movies of course i mean my family was really into movies you know they weren't nearly as hardcore as some of the people that i knew um but you know a lot of people a lot of my friends growing up didn't weren't even allowed to watch movies or television um most of them didn't celebrate halloween one thing that that the i heard often growing up is that they wanted to be uh, part of the world, but set apart from the world. They wanted to look different. They wanted to be noticeably different and similar in some ways. And I know another thing that stood out for me as I was doing some initial research was the importance of local community, especially in small towns like your own. Uh, was that the case for your church? Was the community aspect really important? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say. You know, there may be a few in larger towns, but I would say fundamental independent Baptist is almost exclusively a, a small town denomination. Uh, yeah, I've, I don't know of any that's in a town of considerable size. Why do you think that is? Honestly, uh, education, I think, plays a huge role in it. People in rural areas are much less educated generally, um, and uh, I think that plays a huge role because literal interpretation of the Bible is very easy. You know, perhaps it gives you a strict code of conduct to follow, but you don't really have to think about it. 
Um, and, you know, with a book that's as complex and difficult to dissect as the Bible, that sort of, that sort of lifestyle could be appealing to people who, uh, you know, do believe in, in the faith and want to follow it, but also don't want to, don't or can't put in the level of thought it would require to have a deeper understanding of the scripture. So not to force a transition, but speaking of education, um, you then went on to study this um, as an undergraduate and then in graduate school as well. And now you are a filmmaker who has continued to kind of look into the topics. Uh, what drew you to that? Why were you interested in learning more about something that you'd spent your entire life focused on already? I focused in film, but my minor was uh, Appalachian Studies, which was an interdisciplinary study. But the my primary focus of study during that time was on servant handling churches, and, uh, and I chose that for several reasons. Um, you know that I knew them growing up, and it was just sort of a fascinating and small sect that not a lot of people knew about, um, and I and also a sect that I think is really misrepresented often in popular media. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you've seen like serpent handlers on some movie or TV show. You know, they pop up here and there and they're generally portrayed as totally crazy. And while I'll admit the thing they're doing is crazy, they're not crazy people. OK, OK, so as promised, we'll quickly talk about snake handling. It's a religious tradition in a small number of churches in the United States mostly in secluded areas of Appalachia around where Clint grew up. So in the 20th century, a tradition emerged of handling snakes and fire, speaking in tongues, and drinking poison to show obedience to God. These churches felt that the behaviors would assure them eternal salvation, and it's important to note that the partakers aren't worshipping the snakes or the fire, but rather using them um, as evidence to non-Christians that God can protect them from harm. Uh, so we should get back to the interview with Clint, but do you want to just quickly explain where these practices are coming from? Sure. So in the New Testament, specifically in the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Mark, there are some quotes that support the practice. So Mark 16 says, In my name shall thy cast out devils, thy shall speak with new tongues, thy shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Um, and that clearly suggests where these ideas come from. And then the first record of this type of snake handling in church in the United States was around 1910. A minister named George Hensley introduced snake handling at a church in Birchwood, Tennessee, which is about an hour from where Clint grew up, and began traveling around the region, saying that because of his beliefs and because he had the Holy Spirit inside of him, he could handle a rattlesnake without harm. But we should point out that in 1955, Hensley died following a snake bite during a service in Florida, and his legacy does live on, though, and a lot of churches uh, sprung up in the places he visited. I kind of figured that would be the end to that story. Brad, you realize how creepy all this is, right? Oh, for sure. I definitely realized that. Back to the interview, though. No, I mean, I definitely knew people that did it, and interestingly, in Tennessee, a few years ago, I guess it's probably about 2000. 12, there was a pretty big resurgence of serpent handling among exclusively millennial-aged people in Middle Tennessee, sort of near Nashville. I know when we were talking before, before we started the interview, you mentioned um, like wanting to study Appalachia because you felt 
that the community and the churches weren't necessarily well documented and that like young people had forgotten the history of the area. Uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, I think the area has a really strange dichotomy. Like I, I grew up in a very conservative, very Christian household, but uh, you know, that wasn't true for everything around me. I mean, the South is very poor, uh, you know, especially the area I grew up in and there was, crime and drugs and it was um and it has a has a very rich and interesting history and it's one that's sort of disappearing and there's like a really strong oral history tradition there you know just telling stories and passing the down generation to generation but a lot of people my age they don't seem to really care as much i suppose you know and a lot of the stories and folk tales and history of that region are disappearing uh, and I think it's I think it's worth documenting. So then, after spending time researching this academically, I'm sure you also have reflected a lot on your own faith and like what your own childhood was like. Um, what were some of the the positives and the negatives, or the big takeaways for you growing up as an independent Baptist? I don't look back badly on my childhood uh, in any way. Uh, you know, uh, in some ways, being homeschooled allowed me to travel a lot more than I could have if I'd had a traditional education. We got to see a lot of places, go all around the country. Um, and I got to pursue interests that I care about. Uh, you know, I'm a film director now, so I was able to sort of work on film stuff from an early age and show an interest in it. And right, especially there, like there weren't many arts programs or anything in public education in Tennessee. Uh, so I may have never even gotten into the field I'm in now. So I can't complain too much. But certainly growing up, there was a distance, you know, I always felt sort of a distance from the world. I don't know, it feels almost like a childhood out of the past, I guess. Like when I describe my childhood, it sometimes it sounds like it was happened 20 years before it should have. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a, a nice way to, to put it and like a great wrap up to this interview. Um, so yeah, thanks again, Clint. I really appreciate it. It's been, hopefully it's going to be really interesting for people who don't know about, um, this community of America that actually is 2%. It's not that small. So yeah, thank you. Um, I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course, man. Well, best of luck with everything. Let me know when the episode's out or whatever. I'd love to listen to it. If you follow a faith or grew up following a faith that you want to talk to us about, Contact us at revolvespodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at at revolvespodcast. We'll be back Sunday with a full episode. Thanks for listening.